We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. A small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Property management. Place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truth. Small business sponsored by SRN. Wow. What a freaking song that was. I am here today with my partner, Joe Watkins. I'm so tired of hearing that dang song by whoever the idiot is that sings it. Golly, he is an aside. I just want to prep the audience today. Take your pills. <laughs> Take your pills. Joe Watkins is in full today. Woo! I have been criticized at every level of my being. By the way, I am Travis Castle, your host. And Joe Watkins oh, here. Th third time we've said your name. <laughs> Third time you've been introduced here, and I did not say, for the record, ladies and gentlemen, Joe is not my sidekick, right? Joe, is that right? Thank you, sir. I have graduated in your eyes. I mean, some people would say you're my sidekick, but not me. So today's topic, let's just get right to it. Joe, you want to get right to it today? That's what I like from you. You like to get right to it today. Today's target is about your target audience. Now, Joe. That's so damn boring. You, I know it is for you. I know it's for you because you have no depth. But today, I'm going to tell you why I'm talking about this specifically, see. I think that target audience is where a lot of small business owners fail and where a lot of larger businesses succeed. Uh, let's, 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 let's give me the reason why you think small businesses fail at this made-up topic of target audience. Do you want the truth? The real truth. Can you handle the truth? I can handle the truth. Do you think you deserve the truth? You dang right I can. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little bit of uh, uh, officer and gentleman in there. Sorry about it's that. It's not officer and gentleman. What is it? The That's, firm? Uh, no, it's not what is firm. it? It's Jack Nicholson. It's Tom Cruise. And what? I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. It's definitely not off. You always say officer. And is gentleman. it not? It's not. No. Okay. But our tog our target audience. Our target audience, which is is who I'm talking to today. By the way, before we get there, our tar target audience, Joe, who is our ta target audience? Who's listening to this? You are in an income range between zero and a million dollars. It's pretty narrow. <laughs> pr pr pretty narrow. <laughs> See, and there's the first mistake, right? So there's the small You're business. You're an IQ level between 50 and... 250. Oh, I'm going to go with, with <laughs> 150 to 250. Thank you. I, I think more of our audience. Can, can, can everybody see? In all seriousness, I think if you, want to, if you want to laser in on our audience, I think that we are speaking to, I think we do have a, 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 some different buckets here. I think there's a, a younger generation of new entrepreneurs that, that, that are a little bit ahead of the curve trying to, to not make some mistakes and get ahead of, 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 uh, they're, they're researchers, they're studiers, they're, 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 they're content learners, uh, and they're trying to get ahead of the problem. And I think there's, there's folks kind of in our bucket that are, they're in small business that are probably facing different issues and, and, uh, are just interested in maybe some nuggets they can pick up to help them in their business. Um, and, you know, I do think that there's just, just straight out philosophers that want to, want to hear some different sides of philosophy business philosophy if you will business mm. but i do you know to your point target targeting the customer is a very serious part of your business and we do believe uh as we've dissected our business have we dissected many other small businesses that we encounter weekly daily monthly that the ones and they're not not, not all small business fails at targeting the customer, but many small businesses fail at targeting the customer. And it's so apparent. And we'll use examples in the show to, to sort of demonstrate this. Uh, so I think it's a valid subject matter. <clears throat> wow. Well, I'll tell you what, I am so relieved 
to get your blessing that this is a valid subject matter. Uh, I appreciate that very much. Why talk about it? We, we talk about it because it is a failure for a lot of people. I think people start off with themselves as their idea of who the customer is. Their marketing, their price point, their offering is something that suits them. By the way, can I say, Travis, welcome back from COVID-19. <clears throat> I appreciate that. I had to do a complete show that. without your you've ass. Shown, you, and so that was shown, difficult. You've shown virtually zero, zero empathy, which is on brand uh, for, for you in terms of my health. But it's good to be back. I think the last comment you made to me is, hurry up. You know, the business really needs you. <laughs> Listen. And, and let's face it, it does. It does. It does. It needs yeah. you. Yeah. It needs that. your breadth of of energy, of second guessing, of questioning, <laughs> <laughs> of of trying to change the target audience every single day. We're gonna get into that. I don't don't okay. Don't get too far afield with all that. Right, I'm, I'm right. gonna let you go. Sorry, ahead guys. And, we're trying to keep this real. I, I'm gonna let you throw the punches that we have. You know, come we up. have elected this show. By the way, guys, that. I am the counterpuncher, and Travis is the content as deliverer. If, as if it's ever any different. But let's <laughs> let, let, let's keep going here. So target audience. I, I think the first, you, you comment on this then, counterpuncher. The small business guy. He, he opens a business to serve an avatar of himself, right or wrong. I agree with that. What could be the problem with it? Why, why would that be a problem? Well, because... And is, uh, it, and is it always a problem? Well, it's Maybe not it's always a problem. A problem. Um, and it depends on what the vision of this business owner is, but the more narrow focused and minded potentially that the, the owner is the more unaware they are of what makes the customer experience and the customer need real. Uh, a lot of times we, we create in our own mind based on our own preferences, what we believe to be a valid business model or product. And based on the idea that we would buy that product. Yeah. We're the buyer, we're the customer. And so we it, certainly, I mean, if I have this unique, deep desire for this product and service, of course the, the, the public does too. Or there's a, a, enough of the public that does. I don't think that's necessarily flawed. It is flawed in your design of your model. It could be that there is enough of a narrow audience that does, in fact, uh, want and believe and need the same things you do. It could be. And you could actually target that. But I think the problem is, is that you haven't, you got to back a little further back before you invest, you know, a year and in, in, in $50,000 and quitting your job over this, you know, just because you like your unique brand of, of, of burger with some weird seasoning in it and Buffalo meat mixed in just because you think that's just phenomenal. Doesn't mean a restaurant's going to be successful. So I think you got to have some self-awareness to at least let's get some valid input from the outside. Let's make sure we're, 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 we're not the extreme person creating the extreme business. I got you. So, so make sure that if you are the target, if it's something that appeals to you, that's not the end of the research. Absolutely not. It's, it's a part of the research, but it's definitely not right. the end of so, it. So sort of find out how many of you exist, right? I mean, go mm -hmm. do the other, other stuff. I think that's right. I mean, you know, the hard part. How do you do that, though? Well, I mean, I think the hard part of that is often that is how, exactly how a lot of successful businesses do start. It, it's not it is. necessarily the reason for their success. It appears that way. You know, the, the guy that grills out and he makes ribs and Man, he, you know, Joe makes the best ribs in the world. God, Joe, you ought to sell these ribs. Well, I mean, there's obviously a lot more that goes into a successful business than good ribs. And listen, if you're going to be the one-man band who's going to make a living on selling ribs to a few, you know, to 1,500 houses right around you and, and you can make that work, that's different than building a real business where you're now building a platform where there's multiple people involved, there's a service involved. I mean, it starts to change the dynamics, right? Right. right. So, so some of it, is, exactly. Some of it is what type of goal do we have in mind? Exactly. Yeah. You can do locally. You probably can do enough research among friends, family, and, 
and and beyond there, you know, you can go to the chili cook-off and find out if you win. I mean, you can get other opinions in a very micro fashion, right? Right to kind of prove your your premise here. In about ten minutes, I want to let our customers, our our audience, know. Mm. What is uniquely different about today's show? I'm gonna wait for about ten or fifteen. You gotta minutes give it ten minutes. It's I'm, gonna I'm, be... I'm, yeah, I'm gonna let them let them hold off a little well, bit. Well, we got re- something very unique you, today. You do realize in the digital world, everybody just skip forward ten minutes. So th- this could be ten minutes. It, it could be twenty. It minutes. could. The point is, I'm not telling you right now. <laughs> all right. Okay. Mm. All right. So I'm gonna go with look at the data. I'm gonna put all of everything you just said. I'm gonna try to quantify whether or not uh, Aunt Martha's cake is something that is so good then I'm not going to actually start a business and invest in Aunt Martha's cake. Okay, I'm going to put some data on that. Um, all right, so, but we're also talking. That, that's almost, a, that's more of a startup conversation. It is. I think the right? real conversation is more around, you're already up and going. You're, you're, you're not understanding why you're having an inability to, to, to grow. You're sort of stuck in this little rut. You've been in a rhythm here for several years. You you have a certain customer base, and you're you're struggling to move outside of that. I think that's the the but topic it, today. So so when thinking about knowing that customer, though, what you're saying is there's an existing for 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 the existing business, there is somebody right now paying for product or for services, right? So we do have the ability to look at somebody that's already decided they'll buy from us and begin to get to know that person a little bit, unquestionably. So, and I think that. I, I think the small business guy doesn't do enough of that. I don't, I don't think that how often do we, do we sit back and go, wait a minute. So we manage 400 properties. Let's, let's pull our owner database to the side, dissect, divide, and, and figure out, are there any similarities among this database? Is there, is there, is there, is there something that we could call a target audience based on who we've already attracted to the business? By the way, not only will you figure out who potentially you may be targeting in the future to grow your business, you also may decide there's some missing services that we could sell our, our current database, right? And all of that, it's shocking what people will tell you when you just ask, right? I mean, why did you choose us? Uh, how, how did you find us? Um, what uh, other services, uh, 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 Beavis, uh, I paid for a Google click. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, for everybody that, uh, stuck around, uh, through that impersonation of Beavis, boy, we are dating ourselves here. We That's are, butthead. we are two guys. <laughs> You're are... Be- Beavis is, <laughs> <laughs> I was just being butthead. Sa- sa- sounds. Uh, uh, uh. Beavis sounds strangely like some <laughs> previous employee. Right, we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Uh, all right. So, oh, intentional. You know, so one, one of the things one of the things we put down here though is intentional customers are accidental. So so to go back a little bit, I I, I think a lot of small business guys find themselves serving whoever will be served. It's not an intentional thing. It's actually whoever, you know, look, we've opened the doors. We're in business. Yeah, now we're three years in business, and we're looking back at how did we, what was our strategy behind acquiring the customer? Well, for a bunch of people, it was, well, it was whatever customer it was willing to pay. Yeah, I was going to say, there was no target. Right. The target was is who, who, who was on the other side of the phone call. And whatever their need was, if it was semi-similar to what I could do, oh, yeah, you need a fence? Oh, you need a you need a wrought iron custom fence. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we do that. Now, I'm in the I'm in the wood business, wood fence business. But you want to? Yeah, I, yeah, I got it. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you figure it out, right? You, or, you, or I'm in the swimming pool business, or I'm in the <laughs> roofing business. But right. you need a fence. Yeah, I do a fence. I got right. no customers right now. Right. And you find yourself being the uh, company. How many? Let me ask you the audience. How many of you are are are, are, are nodding your head to this? Yes. I've done a lot of different businesses that are not inside the business I'd want to be in. I think that, that, that there's a big nod here for most of the folks. You're going to go ahead and make that call. That there's a lot of people. I, am. I, I, think, I think at least in the early stages of business, no question. You sort of let the customer mold you. and, and, and We're trying to survive. You're man. trying to pay the bills. Yeah. right? Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of how we got here. That's sort of how we got the, the customer base. We talked about asking 
the customer in terms of what are your likes, dislikes, what are your needs. And we're talking about trying to get to know the target audience a little bit. But we're also talking talking about, let's face it, this always mirrors, the show mirrors every week the, the conflicts with the business that Joe and I run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so part of yesterday's conversation that we had was, you know what, it's kind of a conversation we had every have every month, which is, look, we love our customer. Joe, let's just, can, can we state this before we go any further? Thank you, Mr. Customer, Thank Mrs. You, Mr. Customer, Miss Customer. Appreciate you. For whatever pronoun. I mean, for paying, whatever, paying my bills. Whatever pronoun. Right? I can't, I can't. There, there's significant value to the people that trust us with our business. I mean, we've got some 300 plus people who have signed a document and said, go collect rent, go manage my property. Um, I, uh, I need your services. And for those people, I am eternally grateful. Those people buy Christmas presents at the end of the day. So uh, I, I think we both can say thank you, right? Yeah, yeah, now, having said that, um, there's a bunch of different people under that that have signed that document and said, go do this for me. They have different views of what's going on. They have different needs. If, I would even say they have different needs, um, even though they've signed the same document. Um, so the conversation that we have that's a reoccurring conversation is, hey, how about we take this group of people? We get, You know, Joe, we got about 100 people out of those 300 that we're serving, and here's what they want. How about we go all in on that? And of course, the nervous part is, and I think this is true for most businesses, yeah, but there's 200 over here, and there might be 50 different things that those 200 want, right? And I can't go all in on everybody's wants here. So even within our existing customer base, there's a back and forth with you and me. We grapple with which one do we want to invest in? Which one do we want to start to maybe even change the identity of the business of the brand a little bit and point towards that existing customer base and try to blow that base up. Well, let's let's talk about how you even decide that. I mean, I think this is, I think this is a a real conversation for business owners to have is, is let's don't be blinded by how that decision needs to look. Um, We've talked about, so we spent, a couple of hours yesterday having this very discussion. This is where our podcast come from guys. Like you said, like Travis said, from our real business experience. And we're sitting here talking about spending real dollars, like real money, like a lot of money to, 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 to buy business, future leads that would convert to business. And when you start thinking about the money you're spending, the time you're spending and the resources you're allocating, it gets real, real about uh, about talking about why it is we're, we're targeting certain people and how effective will we be attaining those people. So I think the, the, the questions are, who am I most likely, here's what I think we got to talk about, who am I most likely able to target from a cost standpoint, I think is one question. Who, when I look at my current sales team or how I'm going to sell this new client, who are we most likely to connect with? And, and on the other end of the phone or meeting, decide to do business with us. Who, who needs our service actually the way it's presented? Without redefining our whole business, the product we currently sell, the way we package it, who we have to sell it, who is most likely to, to, to say yes. Right. And then how do we navigate ourselves toward targeting those yeses, right? Not from who we want in a dreamy world, but who we can afford to pay for, who we are going to be most effective at, at, at selling. And then thirdly, that we that we actually can fulfill the service that we sold. So the 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 thing that you're kind of uh, you know the, the the two points I think you're making here. Whenever whenever you hire and Joe and I, by the way, are experts. I would say we're at expert level. I'm, I'm making this comment. Go ahead and mark the time. We're experts at hiring third party marketing companies. That's not funny at all. I need to. Is there a Halloween? Do you have the 
the scare. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I need right expert, there. Expert, baby. We are expert level at hiring a third-party marketing guy, and I want to go ahead and save everybody a few thousand, at least twenty-five hundred bucks here. This this podcast is worth at least twenty-five hundred bucks. I think so. So the first question the expert asked Joe. Hey Joe, tell me about your perfect customer. Right? And my perfect customer is the one that writes the check over and never demands any service. Doesn't complain. Right? So that's the one that's kind of tough. Pays a premium, doesn't ask why, <laughs> and doesn't care how the service is delivered. Yeah, exactly. So, what a crappy question. What, what, what a ridiculous statement. But they, they're trying to craft this ideal customer. They, they, have, they have a motivation in mind that, that that's it's, true and real. They're trying to audit your business and what you're thinking and where your head's at. And But, but the reality and what I think you're just saying is, hey, we got to make money at the end of the day. And, and that, that ideal customer may, in fact, not exist at all. He may just exist in our head, right? So we've got to he get could. real about not only the ideal customer. I mean, I think everybody should be pursuing to their best ability their ideal customer. And once the service is delivered, there has to be a, a, an appreciation of the service that an expectation has been met, Right. You can't oversell something, overcharge something, deliver the product, and, and over 50 60% of the time, people are unsatisfied, right? You've got – so if, if I am selling fences, and that we all know there's different levels of quality and speed, and there's all kinds of reasons why people may choose certain services mm-hmm. and certain companies to perform the service. So – Let's make sure that our capabilities match the expectation. I think that's that's a starter, right? Don't sell what you can't perform. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I think that's exactly what I'm saying is there's the perfect customer. Then there's the let's get real on what we can actually do and who's going to pay for that, right? And and so I think the more real you can get with that, the more traction you can get around this idea of who is my customer and or around the idea that we're discussing now, which is, does has the customer that's been paying my bills for 10 years, do I have the ability now to look at a portion of my customer base and say, I want to go all in. This is the portion of my customer base that I enjoy serving, that I can serve, by the way, who actually decides that I do a good job. So let me give you let me give you some examples. Let me give you one example on this. So for the audience, maybe all you don't know this, but me and Travis are both real estate brokers. Okay. So we're real estate brokers in the state of Georgia. We've we've conducted, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of, of real estate transactions over the years, whether it be uh, property management transactions and sales and or purchase transactions. And so if I was a real estate agent and I have been, and I've done many deals and I was going to represent somebody to sell, for instance, what would be my brand of real estate listing sales and who would I attract? Well, I've, I've narrowed this down. Okay. And I think this is a good representation of what we're talking about here. If you are the emotional home seller who has a home that you think you're just in love with and you need someone to coddle you to, to make you feel better about what you own and somehow over some long process emotionalize your way into a proper understanding of what you actually have to sell. It's not me. Okay. But there's real estate agents out there that are very good at this. Really good at that. Yeah. They, their whole sell is I'll tell you what you need to hear to make you feel better. And then I'll work my way over time into where you actually need to be. Okay. Well, here's what I know I am. And here's what the people that know me, know me best for. And it's just sort of my brand. You call me when you got issues, you know you got issues. And and you need somebody to tell you the freaking truth. So my real estate agent brand is I'm going to come in. I'm going to give you the cold, hard facts of here is the, the real estate data related to the sales price of your property, where it stands today. If you did X, Y, and Z, this is what it could be. And I appreciate you lived here for 25 years. Your colors are awful. The carpet's terrible, and we've got to reface this and redo that and take that off and remove those curtains. Wait, wait a second. 
my grandmother Gertrude, she sewed those curtains by hand in 1983, and you're here. That's right. Telling and me so if Miss Ger- if, if Mrs. Gertrude had such a beautiful set of curtains, you should be able to put those on eBay and get a premium. In this house, though, I want this to be like this, and this is why I'm telling you the truth because we're attracting the most number of buyers we can get. We're not. We don't want the one buyer. We want 100 buyers putting offers on was, your houses. Was, so, uh, was the Keller Williams agent unavailable this evening? To yeah, the Keller, so the Keller Williams agent, I mean, they, they do some good things well, but, 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 but I will tell you that the brand of a lot of real estate agents out there are to get in your front door. My brand is you want the real crap because you ain't figured it out yet and nobody else has, I'll tell you the real truth, and I will do it unapologetically and that's the real estate brand that I bring. But I know this, right? But I also know I'm not going to advertise on a big billboard with puffy hair that I'm your sweet thing that's going to bring you the, 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 the love that, you, that you're looking for. I'm going to bring you the freaking truth, Travis. You're definitely not advertising with the puffy hair. So what do I get, though? I do get real estate transactions that are brought to me, and they're usually through referrals when the referral says you need somebody to tell you the truth and bail you out, let me give you Joe's number. Well, I, I would say too that that's a brainy, that's a customer. I, no, I, I would say too that it, what you're also talking about is not just delivering the truth. It's it's most of your stuff has some complexity to it. It's got complexity. That I mean, your your background. It's not vanilla. You actually have a kind it's of a, chocolate, kind of a construction background. So when you got somebody that. You know, we need to do some landscape work in the yard. We need to move this. We need to move that. We need to physically do something and alter something. Um, I think that yeah, you've got you're a the floor guy. plan problem, a yard problem. Uh, you, you've just got a problem. Well, I think filtering uh, leads, let's say, uh, through that filter allows you to do a few things. One of which is to not even go on the cookie cutter appointment. I mean, if, say, if somebody called, I mean, let's face it, right now you're not an active, this is not what you do professionally per se, we're talking about, we're giving a scenario, but if somebody called you right now and they got just the cookie cutter house, it's going to go under contract in one day, there's nothing to do with it. I, I'm going to point them to to my vanilla real estate agent that works for me. Yeah, you're, you're going to give them somebody that can just put a sign in the yard and who's also very talented, by talented the way. Talented at getting it to close, but doesn't have to to deal with the complexities of the, of the asset. So, so, so knowing that and kind of having that, here we go again, here's our word. I think it's almost a drinking game from what I understand on the West coast, self-awareness, having the personal identity thing down and filtering your business through that saves you a lot of time. Who are you? What do you have that's unique? What is your unique selling proposition? And whatever that is, if it has a customer tied to it, that's your customer. Your unique selling proposition. And it doesn't have to, listen, a lot of times we sit and bang our heads against, well, what makes us different? Well, sometimes what makes you different, if you're in a small business and there's only a few of you in your business, it might be you. It might be your ability to, to see things differently than others. But if it's not just you individually, it could be that you do need to systematically design your unique selling proposition. This is something that, that I learned my whole life. If you don't have a unique selling proposition, then what are you selling? That's right. Well, you better be in a hyperactive market that doesn't absolutely need that. They just need somebody to facilitate something. That to happen. or you are in such a narrow market of competition. There's just not that much competition. Which I have a bobcat sitting in my backyard right now yeah, with the idea that I might buy it I mean, and I go have, into the bobcat business because it's a fifty or sixty thousand dollar machine and not every Tom Dick and Harry can buy one. I and was, so I was scolded the, of the two hours we talked yesterday, a good forty five minutes was scolding me for wanting to jump into different business models and various things, yet every time I get over it at, at, at the, the the Watkins compound. This bobcat is being discussed at this point. I'm hey, put- you know, Travis, I could make a thousand dollars a day on that bobcat. Hey, you know, the guys, the guys, the guys said I was pretty good on that bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, first of all, if I put you on that bobcat, I'd kill it. It brother. would take you a, a while it. to get adapted, a little bit longer than me. Nah. But if you were on it. 
in, I promise you, and it, it'd probably take you about three hours, but in three hours, you'd be like, <gasps> I missed my calling. Mm. Okay. But the difference is you'd be going, I don't, you'd be going, <gasps> it doesn't matter because I can't get the Bobcat. And so I can't compete. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, that's where you grossly underestimate my ability to want to get into a different business. <laughs> Because cause I can get the Bobcat. Now, <laughs> the, the, the financing terms might make a guy like you a little sick, right? But I, I could find, I could find what, that guy. I'm going to buy that Bobcat, and I'm going to turn around and resell it to you at 22% interest rate with 10% down. Hey, brother, let me tell you something. At $1,000 a day, all those numbers work. <laughs> so this is part and parcel, though, of what we want to talk about. And, you know, in terms of small business therapy, let's go ahead and everybody, everybody listening, just admit something here which is what Joe just admitted. The reality is the guy that sits behind the desk all day and is on the phone at some point begins to fantasize and dream a little bit about being on the Bobcat, oh, being outside of the office, I be on the Bobcat. knocking down some trees, yeah. right? I mean, at the end of the day, oh that's the fantasy. The guy that's on the Bobcat all day, you know, the truth is, well, I guess what we find out is he loves being on that Bobcat all day. I've never met a guy on a Bobcat that wants to come inside the office. "Ah, I just want to be in the air conditioning on the computer, please. I just Uh wish so badly. You don't. I mean, that's that's a little bit of truth that we just got to swallow, right? (laughs) All the guys that sit in the office goes like, hey. That's, that's just the truth. That's another podcast, and that's just talking about, hey, be real with who you are and how do you get we, – we've already talked about it. We're, there's stage one, two, and three in your life, and that, that's sort of stage two and three in your life. I, I think this target customer conversation, though, one thing we did want to talk about, one of the things I'm certainly guilty of, is while there are reasons to change your target customer, even if you're successful, even if you've been in business a long time serving one target, there's lots of reasons why, and there's lots of examples of companies that do this, very large companies that have plenty of money to do all the demographics and do all the studies. And they're, you know, at the end of the day, they decide, hey, we've got shifting demographics here. Joe, you asked for an example. I'm going to give you an example of a large company that was very successful that looked at their existing customer base and went, oh no, oh no, we are completely changing our I'm business. I'm on the edge of my seat. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Would you like to divulge the secret that you're holding before I do or after I do? You know what? I will go ahead and divulge the secret. Go ahead and divulge. We mentioned here a couple of weeks ago that the big truths of small business is is kind of has been a such a refreshing just interest and and love that me and Travis have have delved into. And this started right here at the beginning of COVID and we're having so much fun. Our audience is having fun. We're growing the audience that we mentioned a couple weeks ago that we were investing in a mobile podcast studio. And what that really means is, is we have a, a travel trailer RV that we have purchased and it has it has landed at our possession and we're actively on this podcast as the very first one sitting in what will be a complete video podcast studio here in the future but we are recording this audio podcast in the RV today and it's super cool like like this <laughs> The vision that's being created, guys, we've talked about on some other shows that that your environment and the things you need to do to, to, this ain't all about money. Business is not all about money. It's all about meeting all of the goals that you, that you need to be, to, to be meeting. And some of those are, if, if, if we are whole as individuals, if we feel filled as individuals, we have a, gr- a much greater capacity to give back to the people that are around us and the people that are that we're influencing, the people that are that are you know in our daily lives, our families, our our employees, our business relationships, our, our vendors, our church, anything you can think of. If our cup is full, we are much more in a position to give back. 
And 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 me and me and Travis have decided that that the big truths of small business it really helps to fill our cup. And so to double and triple and quadruple down on this podcast and ensure this podcast continues, that we continue to grow in it and we get to get other interviews here because interviews are where we're going to head, guys. And we understand that our interviews are, are, are probably one out of three right now. But we're in COVID. And, uh, and we're going to come out of this and we're going to be available to whatever interview wants to, to, wants to be a to, to be with us because we're going to have a mobile production level studio on wheels that we can bring. And we're, and we're in it right now. It's kind of cool. Well, and, and one of the things we want to do with it is definitely, we want to take, take the show on the road, you know, and, and it's interesting talking about target customers. Look at the end of the day, the big truth is completely all about what we want to do here. <laughs> By the way, we're not, we're not circling somebody and going, Oh, we're going to serve this into we're, we're serving you because yeah, we, we are you. I mean, to, to go back to the beginning of the Absolutely. broadcast, we are you. And so we want to take this show on the road and with there's all kind of plans and ideas and thoughts. And it's, it's all a lot of fun, but the, the trailer here allows us to, just open this thing up and and take it lit- literally to you. So if you're listening and you think, man, I'd love to be on the show, or I know somebody that should be on this show. I know a perfect interview for these guys. Uh, man, hit us up. Joe, by the way, how would anybody contact us in regards to, to doing just that? You need to send an email to info at bigtrues. With of an S. small business with an S big truths, big truths with an S of small business, or you can send it to info at yes, I rent.com. Cause as we are sponsored by yes, I rent product 100% management sponsor in those emails in such a small business as ours comes to me. So back to the show. All right. So you ask, and I can, I can see it in your face. You're like, Travis, what huge business? And I'm going to say this business is somewhere in excess of uh this is at least 10 digits around this business and and, and they changed their, their their target audience in 2007 they looked at the landscape they looked oh my at god it. that's like 13 years ago can you be more modern than this no 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 because because you need to know the result of it okay 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 let's so, let's so yeah so so we actually have the result of this what is it they looked at their competition and they went you know what we can't compete with that mm. how about that for I, some honesty i like that and they're a big company at the time this is a huge company who looked at other huge companies. Now, this company had been the dominant company, and now they're being dominated by a couple of competitors here. And so they, they've got some R&D money, and they go, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to come out with a product that is so different from our competitors that serves a totally different demographic than our competitors serve, and we're going to bet the farm on it. This company was nintendo oh man what did nintendo do i mean so well, let's it, talk about where they were you go you go back i grew to, up on them we grew up we're oh, in the generation where we grew oh. up on nintendo we had the original nintendo then we had the super nintendo mike tyson punch out baby i believe and then my kids had that. the nintendo wii but but the super the, the nintendo the nintendo was a revolutionary device oh I mean, the games and we, we we couldn't get enough no, of nobody, Nintendo. I would even say nobody knew what Nintendo was, and then everybody knew what Nintendo because before was. Nintendo was Atari. Yeah, it was Atari. Maybe, you know, Atari was your was your dominant it factor. Was Activision, Atari. There was Atari, then some guys that were much smaller. N- yeah. Nintendo took sort of the Atari culture and and, and multiplied it times ten. Took it to another level. Oh yeah, and so that level was sustained for a while. And you're right; that's when we were kids. So God, that's that's, so that's, that's that's kind of our video. I game. still have a Super Nintendo, by the way. Well, here's the thing about that. It's interesting you say all that because you say your kids had Wii, but my guess is your son has played video games on the PlayStation that you you may or may not have played with him. But my guess is you did play some Wii games with your kids. I did. Well, that's exactly their gamble. Their gamble was, hey, you know what? Our customer who we had when he was a kid is older now. And we're going to move our marketing and our offering to him. To combine, how can we incorporate the guy that knows Nintendo, 
already with, knows with us. his kids. Already knows us. And we're, we're going to give them a game they both can enjoy. Whereas the PS3 at the time in 2007 and the Xbox was, those were kids. We had no idea. We, 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 we didn't want any part of it. No, no, no. That, those were made for teenagers. 100% kids. No, those were made for kids, for teenagers. And after you reach a certain point, you had no in, you had no interest in it, but you did have interest in that Wii controller. It's, it's the only game system as an adult that I invested in was the Wii. I'm telling you. I, my kid who won the PlayStation so, needed to go buy it himself. So, so what was the result of making what was that it? decision? It was 100 million consoles Averaging a price of two hundred and ninety nine dollars per console later. All right, so so they completely went from the kid demographic to the adult demographic, and just absolutely killed. Well, well, let's discuss. They why that was. What was interesting is they took all the marketing dollars and all of the history that was seeded with us, and rather than recreating that in the new generation. They figured out how to capitalize on the people that already loved the new Nintendo. That, that's a very interesting concept. Hello? Well, they stayed in the video game business, they did. by the way. They did. Right? So so they didn't wholesale change. But they didn't they try doing. to compete against Sony PlayStation and say that I have a better, more active game than you. That's right. They, 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 they decided that, wait a minute. There's some people out here that actually have no interest in the level of game that's out there today. In fact, I don't. That's Beyond right. the Super Nintendo, I don't want to play your game. <laughs> the, 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 the Wii that's was the right, only yeah. the only right. game that probably that that that, that segmented that, that that crossed over me to my kid. Seriously. It sure was. Yeah. You, the, the, they made a game that both demographics could could enjoy. And it wasn't this huge. I mean, it, right now it looks like. Now, by the way, I should say, I think anytime you change your target audience, this is the nature of the business guy, the small business guy, or obviously the big business folks. And there's risk just everywhere. I mean, it's easy to sit on this side of that decision and go, wow, you know, that's a billion dollar decision they got right. But they, but they were heading towards zero if they didn't do something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so right. I mean, you know, they, it wasn't as if, uh, I mean, they had to do something. They right? weren't selling Super Nintendos anymore or no. Nintendo 64s. They were shrinking. They were shrinking. So their, their, their thought was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, there, there's a few other companies that kind of came up that I thought were interesting. I don't feel like they accomplished it in the same way, but it's interesting to know that, hey, when these companies go to, when, when a, uh, by the way, when a company that's already fairly dominant, it's another part of the conversation here. Maybe maybe you're operating in a small business right now, and you, you're kind of killing it. But who you are is to continue to grow. But you, you sort of maxed out your current demographic. Well, you know, what about targeting that demographic you never thought you could get? Who is that? Hershey's Chocolate. Pretty mm-hmm. good example here. So 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 how do, how do you do that with Hershey's? Well, when you think of Hershey's Chocolate, what do you think of, Joe? What's the big brand for Hershey's Chocolate? The big brand for Hershey's? I mean, I, I mean, I, I just think, I mean, I think Hershey's. I think of Hershey's syrup. I think of Hershey's, literally the Hershey's chocolate bar, the Mr. Good bar. The, the, the I mean, I just think of just their chocolate so candy bar. Yeah, yeah, their candy bar. I mean, I particularly their one with almonds for me. Yeah. But I think just the chocolate logo bar is what we think of. Now, when we drill down the on that. The special dark. The special dark. The special dark. Now, your kid does not walk in the he store don't care about a special and dark. talk about the special dark chocolate. But Hershey's began marketing a little healthier chocolate, the special dark chocolate. Is that what you're talking about? That's what I'm talking about. That's my favorite. Well, that's kind of their adult version of the chocolate <sighs> candy bar now, right? And they were the dom- they've been the dominant guy in the, in the chocolate candy but bar. But the, they were having trouble competing with sort of, you talk about the craft beer that, 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 that the, beer companies are dealing with right now mm. hershey's had to deal with the craft chocolate oh, yeah. and and the special dark was their attempt to to sort of that's right battle against that yeah. Here, here's the healthy we all know at least as anybody that's done research that, that, that dark chocolate is actually healthy chocolate if you don't overdo it right and so that was their attempt and it's pretty good it's the one i eat in the in the attorney's well, office I, by the way i th- i think it's the same uh, thought that we had, which the, the, the Wii console is our folks are aging and they're just not using our product anymore, but we know they like chocolate. 
let's create a product they can feel good about using. Wow. It gets me thinking, you know, in your business and our business, are you in a business where your customer base is aging and the next generation doesn't really care about what you serve? This is, this is interesting because this is what, when I think about my years at Chick-fil-A, we've taught, we've had some shows around that. Um, you know, Truett really clearly defines something that I think is something we, when we start to target our, who our business is, I think we gotta be, we gotta be careful in this. People would always say that Chick-fil-A was in the chicken business. They just, they just, it's just what they, it's just what they gravitated to. You sell chicken sandwiches. You invented the chicken sandwich, the boneless breast of chicken sandwich. You're in the chicken business. And what he realized and what he identified very early is we're in the people business. It, it is chicken right now. Mm. We're, we're now we are in the restaurant business. That's right. And in a fried chicken sandwich is what our business is. Right. But we got to be very careful. I can't predict 50 years from now that the fried chicken sandwich is what we're doing. We're in the, in the people business, meaning we're, we're, we're in the, in the serving people, a meal business. That's right. Quickly. That's really what they're in. Mm-hmm. And, and so let's, well, let's, as of recent, they have dominated the convenience version of that, right? They have getting through that drive through serving a meal quickly. That's right. Listen, Chick Fil the Chick Fil A outside of my house here in McDonough, Georgia, is going to do nine million dollars this year with the inside of the restaurant closed. <laughs> so they're not in they're not in the in the serving in a cool environment business. No, they're not. Have they changed what they serve? No, it's the same chicken sandwich that I served twenty years ago. Mm. 25 years ago they're they're in the serving what they've had to modify is is we're in an Amazon culture and Amazon has and, and Uber has helped us to think that we need things more quickly we we need to not waste time on things as much we need to get in and out quicker it, it needs to be more convenient so they serve the same chicken sandwich packaged in a much quicker drive all right so so that word just to bring this home a little bit in terms of well, how do we do this you know let, let, let's say that okay this decision is we been need made. a bunch of how-tos right now well this this decision has been made we're we're going to change our target customer we've sort of identified that hey we're going from a younger guy to an older guy or whatever it may be for your business right um I, i'm going from selling the Lowest end fence. To I'm going to sell high end security gates or, or something along those lines. So you just use the word, and man, this is this is something that uh, I think any really good marketer, or again going back to consulting type guys, would tell you. But one of the ways that you just change it right off the bat. I mean, when you walk into uh, the store and you're looking at all your options, what are you looking at? You're you're not looking at the product. You're looking at the package that the product's in. Definitely. The packaging. Right? And, you're, and you're not even, you're not necessarily honing in and focusing on the package. That packaging is speaking something to you. That's right. You know, what does that mean? And packaging, by the way, doesn't mean just the plastic that's around the, you know, this, this, this putting the product inside this, you know, paper packaging or plastic pack. It's, if I'm going through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, the packaging is, it's the person standing out taking my order. It's the sign I see here. It's how they get my money. It's, it's packaging. I, Chick-fil-A is doing $9 million out here, not because their chicken sandwich got any better. It didn't get any better. Right. It's the same chicken sandwich they sold 20, 40, 50 years no, nothing's ago. Nothing's changed. Nothing. Is the, the packaging has continued to change over the years. Right. They're paying attention to what, what's important to people. Yeah. So in your business, has the packaging kept up with what your customer expects and by the way what is the packaging i mean we we, we talk but we we have a service business right but part of that packaging in our service business is you know again i'll go to kind of the the, the next how to your logo 
I mean, when when I'm thinking about a, a service industry, that logo is a powerful uh, branding message to me in terms of it, it speaks to me. Uh, what, what color is it? What size is it? What is that logo uh, communicating to me? And I would say this, just again, we're talking to the small business world out there, and you know we've all been guilty of it at some point of rushing through that logo process. But that logo is literally your Hershey's bar, the, the packaging, the, the I'm walking down the aisle and I'm, my eye has a half a second to glance at each product here and determine which one I'm going to grab. I mean, in the commercial world, your logo. Well, let's don't underestimate just sort of branding and sort of your 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 logo in colors and representation thereof and how they make you feel. I mean, this is everything. I, I it's funny, I was thinking about this today. I was I was walking around this new trailer that we have here, this R V trailer. And I was thinking about how do we, inside and out, how do we represent what we want to represent? And it just struck me that it's a complete open canvas. And look, we flip houses. One of our businesses is 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 yesibuy.com, and uh, and we flip houses. We buy distressed houses and we flip them, and and we create ever emotional experience we want our new home buyers to create when they walk through that house. So th- this trailer just it just occurred to me today that we can create whatever experience we want to and it matters like it changes like we can literally change the way people feel when they first open that door and what they think when they walk in here. And so if you don't think that your logo and your colors and your website design and and sort of some some things that give people a feel about who you are don't don't matter. I mean, you're 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 just off base. I mean, we we've recently invested in something I think that's probably not normal for small business. We've we're going to pay a, a fairly decent monthly fee here for the licensing of professional not only recorded voice, but the, the the professional writing of what's recorded. They take our content and they professionally rewrite it and then record it with professional voice with our own scored music behind it for our phone menus. Hmm. You're going to call our company now here. This is probably going to happen probably in the next 14 days. And where my daughter was the 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 person on the line who she's done a beautiful job did a good job Hannah but she's not you know I mean she's just doing what we asked her to do no we've got professional voice record people that have recorded on Coca Cola's menus and on this commercial are going to be on our phone menus helping to create a visual and a feel and emotional experience and connection with who we are to our customers. That's logo. That's brand. I mean, let, let, let's just face it. The bottom line is people pay more for good branding every day. You pay more for good branding. Without question. Every day. And and by the way, I, I've been a part of a company or two that um, was acquired or was in, going public and hired those you know big money guys to come. First thing they do, man, they come in and that lobby changes. And you, you go, man, we don't really hardly ever have any customers in the lobby. Why would they spend so much money on that lobby? Um, all of a sudden, uh, first impressions sure. are lasting. I, I impressions. mean, shirts are issue. You know, everybody's wearing the same shirt. The logo gets tightened up. The logo, all by the way, the, the whenever somebody's investing money with a marketing or branding company, the logo is the first thing um, that they always change. The colors to your logo. So if if you've never delved into that. And you just sort of did that on the fly pretty quick. I would tell you that's a pretty common sort of uh, mistake. Uh, you, you picked, again, a logo, probably looks good to you, you like, and you should. You need to like your logo. But, man, I'm telling you, the colors and the presentation of all that, um, it matters. Pe- Listen, people there's people that, that understand how people respond to certain things. 
you're in the business of, of building fences. How the hell are you going to know how, how people are going to respond to you? You're not in that world. Yeah, le- leverage somebody else. Use, right. use the outs- outside experts yeah. that I understand there, there's some, there's some difficulty in finding the people you can trust. So I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you kind of the final, uh, a uh, little nugget here on how to make this pivot and how to make this change. Um, I've got a company, Joe, that you know a little bit about here. Okay. We're going to, we're going to steal a little something from somebody that you personally, at some point, Joe Watkins, I like to say Joseph Watkins. I'll, that's not your name, <laughs> but Joseph, it, it, Joseph is my name. Joseph is your name. So, so, so Joseph Watkins at some point wrote a check. And it was a sizable check to a company. And I'm going to say their branding was a huge part of why you were even in their showroom to begin with. And what's interesting is you're definitely their target customer, but they did a little pivot a few years back because they had massive market share. This company is Harley Davidson Mm. is our next company to kind of bring this thing home here. Now, what does Harley Davidson do when they look at their guy, which, you know, might be you Now, I understand it's not, you know, you've got uh, other other motorcycles there too. But when they look at their guy, man, the truth is Harley Davidson dominates that guy when he's thinking about getting that big hog of a bike, right? I mean, Harley knows their customer. They target and they cater every. I mean, they are the epitome of what we're discussing here in terms of branding and targeting. They do. They they are in a transitioning customer though. They're they're they're, they're battling an uphill battle. They're a good one to bring up because they're battling an uphill battle. Well, here, here, here's, and, I, and I'll let you speak to that. Here, here's, here's what I have read recently about Harley Davidson and, and trying to expand their market share and trying to compete here a little bit is they're trying to target some women. They're trying to target women. And, and look, all of us, I think, can say when we think of somebody riding a Harley, it's not necessarily a, a female unless she's on the back of the Harley, frankly. Uh, I mean, that's just the truth. Harley Davidson knows that's the truth. Having said that, um, what do they do? How do they handle that? Well, the final nugget here is advertise. How you advertise. Advertising is the presentation of your of your business, right? It's you saying, here's what we offer. Um, and how does Harley-Davidson do that? How do they make that little subtle tweak? Well, instead of having that big burly dude riding down the middle of Interstate 75 here in Atlanta and just squeezing out every last ounce of that Harley and racing, they put a woman they put a lady in that Harley in some of their advertising. And what are they, what are they saying? They're saying, hey, ladies, this is for you too. And here's all the reasons it's for you too, right? And, uh, and, and, and they've had to do that. Uh, what Harley's a very interesting study. It could be a whole podcast because Harley was so deeply invested in their target customer for so long. And their target customers 55 years old and older now. Well, Honda came in 30 years ago in the U S and they were showing young people and women and it's a fun thing. And on, on their motorcycles, Mm. right? Completely targeting not the macho, tattooed, whom, 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 Harley guy. Mm-hmm. Okay? They've been targeting that customer for 30 years here. And Harley just ignored them. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, their target customer is dying now. <laughs> well, they're So the, the, their yeah. pivot is survival. They're, they're the epitome of what we're discussing. Survival. There. And they're not a small business. They're a huge business. So when you have a huge business... Where your customer is dying, you've got better figure it out. You got they got negative sales increases for probably ten years in a row now. Well, well, we 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 know that COVID here uniquely interrupted that because we know that the market just for motorcycles in general went berserk. Yeah, it did. The people went crazy, and they and they, and, they, and, they, and it's funny because because went to some Harley dealers and and they have no motorcycles on the floor. They sold them all. It's crazy. Because people, people just, you know, stir crazy and they had to go by. And Harley still, so Harley's had to figure out in a new age motorcycle environment, how do you appeal to that, to that guy? Because BMW and, and, and all the sport touring guys, I mean, BMW, you know what they've captured? They've captured your affluent, you know, attorney. 
He wants to have a motorcycle. Sure. How does Harley's miss that? They, they, they took some brand loyalty and transferred it to their, their motorcycle. They did. Yeah. And so, so Harley's trying to figure out, well, how do I get a piece of that business? They came out with an electric motorcycle a couple of years ago. It's been a flop for the most part. Um, and, and they're working hard. So I think this, it's a good lesson that, that be careful if you're still, if you're a retiring business and you plan on retiring, that's okay. If you age with your customer base and you close the doors, I mean, that's, that's okay. Sure. Not every business lasts forever. Right. But if you're building a real business that you're going to pass down that you, that you're, or you're in the prime of your business and you've targeted a customer base, that's an aging customer base. And aging means you're possibly old and what you desire is different than the next generation. It's just completely different. Right. Our, our kids grew up on cell phones. We didn't necessarily grow up on cell phones. And so what they're thinking is the new wave is different than what we thought. So if your business model is targeting a, a, a customer that's, that's, that's changing, you either, A, need to realize that you have to make a change because your customer is not going to be paying for you anymore. They don't need you anymore. They can't ride the motorcycle anymore. I, you know how many people in my motorcycle group right now today? It's funny. I've been in this group for over 10 years. And there was a large Harley contingency. I bet. In the beginning. Yep. And it shifted. It We're probably 10% Harley. Mm. Most of the Harley guys don't ride anymore. Mm. They're too old. So Harley got ahead of this and realized, wait a minute. Our, our, our customer physically can't do this anymore. The customer that we lived on, they're not even riding anymore. Mm. How do we get the the 30-year-old? Mm. By the way, Harley's a premium brand. It ain't no cheap it's motorcycle. Not, it's not made you can for go the, buy a yeah. Honda motorcycle for half the price. Right. It's not made for the entry level. So the 20-year-old yeah. couldn't buy right. a $25,000 Harley motorcycle. That's interesting. Yeah. So how do you continue to sell $25,000 motorcycle? Well, right. first of all, you better have some cheaper motorcycles. Right. you got to indoctrinate the young population earlier into the brand. So they graduate up with your more expensive well, that, motorcycle. That, that's so, very true for Harley and for discretionary products, especially if that's the type of business you're in. Not only just that, not, not just the physical component, but as people age and they're getting closer to a fixed income and they start making tough decisions about what that fixed income is going to be spent on, you, you got to start paying attention to that at some point. And that, that could be a variety of products and services that we're talking about there. Uh, but that's a I mean, that's a super real thing too. We don't have time to get into it, but we, you and I, privately have talked about the, you know, the movie business and movie theaters and and their struggles and it's kind a bunch of a, of them have closed. Kind, kind of a real, I mean, especially with what's going on now. But prior to now, uh, these guys were, were were struggling. They were already struggling. Yeah. So and you and you give them a pandemic and they can't keep the doors open. So, so the the idea of the target audience is ever evolving. Uh, we we spent a, a good portion. Uh, of the last little bit here on changing that audience and following perhaps well, that audience. Well, listening to right. the audience. Listening to the audience. Listening. Right. Just be have a finger on the pulse here because we're in small. What makes a small business more advantageous than a Harley-Davidson is we're small. We can right. flex. That's right. We can make the decision as a business owner. Whoa, wait on a second here. I need to flex. I need to flex quickly in a small business. We can do that. This is the advantage we got, and we, we got to use that. So, guys, well, I hope that today helped you. And I know if you're in small business, you've thought about changing this target because don't say you haven't. We all do. But I hope it's either, either helped you decide that you're going to stick with your guy and you're going to go all in on your customer, or by God, it's just time to change him out and find a new one. Now, Joe, today... I'm going to ask you, this is, this is a much talked about part of our show here, As a Man Thanketh by James Allen. Golly, it's we, such a small book with a lot of wisdom. We like to give just a random quote, a random quote, and I'm going to get your comment on it. So I've just opened this. I'm the counterpuncher. I've just opened this to page 31, and Joe, here we go. The weakest soul, knowing its own weakness and believing this truth, that strength can only be developed by effort and practice will thus believing at 
once begin to exert itself in adding effort to effort, patience to patience, and strength to strength will never cease to develop and will at last grow divinely strong. Mm. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Shoot, this is like almost my mantra. Like you just picked it. I mean, here's the deal. Good deeds don't happen on their own. If if you want to to have a great business, then take it upon yourself to hunker down and make it a great business. Don't rely on your own talent and timing of the market. Realize that that stuff can change, and your talent may, in fact, be a disadvantage in, in certain circumstances. The market can change on you. Your audience can change. You staying at the pulse of your business, you recognizing that you and your effort ultimately is what changes your outcome. And don't don't put it off on somebody else. Don't put it off on the market. Don't put it off on all the excuses that you come up with and realize that you are capable of making it what it's going to be. And if you're not, you're also incapable of making it what it's going to be. It lies upon you. I think that is what James Allen's book really gets to over and over again in the book. If it is to be, it is up to me. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the big truce of small business. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Spotify, you can find us. Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you find your podcast. Give us a like, share it. We appreciate you. We need you. five stars too, guys. I talked about that five last stars. week. Come on. I should talk about it in the first of the show. This is how we grow. Thanks. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth of small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truth of small business. Who is this guy? Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. He's so good. Yes I Rent. Property management. Five stars just on the song. And collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. Come on now. We got the big truth. Yes, we do. Small business sponsored by SIRN. After 28 or so episodes, if you ain't figured out that we got the truth, you ain't listening.